welcome to the Adapt and Overcome podcast from Alt-RPO. In the evolving landscape of the COVID-19 pandemic, we decided to create a space for real people to come together and share their experiences and lessons learned as they lead their teams through new virtual work environments, crafting new strategies, and taking their organizations through incredible transformations. These conversations are taking place in the context of free webinars. You can find out more details about upcoming webinars, future panelists, register for an event, or even apply to be a panelist yourself by visiting altrpo.com webinar. Without further ado, here is today's panel. Our amazing hosts for today are Sean, the CEO of AltRPO, team building facilitation company with a 100% remote team. I'm also part of AltRPO with Sean. Uh, prior to AltRPO, Sean took part in various startups focused on human performance, and he leverages his experience as a Navy SEAL to bring a unique perspective to the current challenges that we're facing right now. John, who you already met in addition to his skills with comedy, is our facilitation Jedi here at AltRPO. He's a master facilitator. He focuses on team building and process improvement. John has conducted hundreds of workshops and leverages his experience as an innovation team leader for the U.S. Navy to help shift teams to collective and collaborative thinking. So without further ado, I'll hand it over to John and Sean to get our conversation going. Awesome. I'm going to have you guys introduce yourself. So Jay, if you could start us off, that'd be great. Sure. Uh, my name is Jay Shu. I'm a uh, design strategist for Sabre. I also am an adjunct professor for Collin College and SMU uh, here in the Dallas area. I've been doing uh, motion graphics, as you can see behind me, animation, user experience now for about 25 years. Awesome. And uh, before John uh, introduces himself, I wanted to say really quick, because I think this is really cool, Emily put out a post uh, earlier today that said that John McCaskill introduced Emily and I together. Emily introduced me to Sean. Sean and I are doing this webinar together with Emily who invited John. And I didn't realize any of that stuff happened until she wrote the uh, post, which I thought was really cool. So uh, John, go ahead. <laughs> it's pretty beautiful how that works, right? Like LinkedIn yeah. networking off, offline, <laughs> actually happening in real life. Wouldn't even right. be here without you. That's cool. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm honored to be here with you guys today. So thanks for the invite. Uh, for those who don't know me, John McCaskill, uh, I am here in the Virginia Beach area, um, physically located uh, around Sean and Emily and John. Uh, I'm a soon-to-be retiring uh, Navy guy myself. I'll be wrapping up 20, almost 24 years here in August, at which point I'll be uh, jumping into the RV with my wife and two small kids and uh, going on an RV adventures, uh, also similar to what Sean has done. If I remember correctly, I think you did something in small small band or something. That's right. Anyhow, uh, I'll be uh, moving out to Colorado uh, Colorado Springs area and working with the nonprofit that you see the sign for behind me, Veterans Path. Veterans Path helps to uh, introduce veterans to the life-changing and life-saving practices of mindfulness and meditation to help them get back to a sense of peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's where the word path in, in the name comes from. So uh, that's a little bit about me. Uh, over to Andy. Thank you, John. My name is Andy Haskins. Uh, it's an honor to be here as well. It's really humbling. Um, I'm glad to uh, have the opportunity, though. My uh, my background is with DHS and uh, the Transportation Security Administration. Been there for 16 years, doing uh, pr primarily uh, red teaming and, and physical penetration testing. And I've recently moved into a position uh, in the innovation space, which is really exciting. And uh, also, I'm on uh, a board, a nonprofit board, which I uh, I think has some relevance to the discussion here, which I'll also uh, be sharing about. So, thanks very much. I'm glad to be here. Excellent. Thanks, uh, thanks, panelists, for the quick intros. And um, just as a reminder, any questions you may have uh, during this, please feel free to pop them into the uh, Q and A section. Um, so. We call ourselves the Adapt and Overcome webinar series. Uh, we focus in on what we've adapted to or from um, and what we still have to overcome. So with that in mind, 
uh, prior to going live here, we were having a pretty lively discussion and uh, Jay brought up uh, some interesting adaptations that are going on in, uh, in his sector. Um, so we'll start with Jay. If, um, if you could cover for us, what's the biggest adaptation uh, you guys have made as an organization since uh, the start of this pandemic? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm actually really, really super blessed. Uh, this, uh, I'm part of the most awesome kind of design group that I've ever had an opportunity to be with in my career. Uh, we are, uh, we kind of are agile and innovative by design. Uh, that's kind of who we are as human beings. And uh, I just have a super smart group of people. So when they said, hey, you got to work from home, we, that wasn't a problem for us. I mean, we're, we're user experience, we're technology people. Uh, we, you know, we hadn't done a lot of remote workshops. That was something that was on our roadmap, actually, even before all this happened. Um, I think when I was down with John and Control the Room conference, that was a big topic that people were wanting to talk about, how to use Mural and some of the online packages to actually do virtual workshops. This is really just kind of fast-tracked, right? It's accelerated our, our path to really saying, how do we use these cool, interesting tools to kind of emulate and create a great experience that we typically were doing in person? In a room and so how and you know the in-room experience is very different than the online experience or the zoom experience and so we're still you know figuring out what is the best way to create the best experience um to answer your other question though i think what i miss most and what's been most challenging for me is all the uh spontaneous conversations i used to have in a big enterprise uh you know, I talk to my team fairly regular. I talk to uh, the extended design team a little bit more, but I'm not seeing, I'm not getting a chance to run into my friends in finance or security or other parts of the organization that when I used to go to the cafe and the cafeteria at lunch, I would bump into them or all the product owners and things. Unless it's a specific project that we're ramping up for, there's not really that connection. So I, I would say that's the thing that I'm missing the most. And I would love to figure out how to do it with a company that is, you know, 9,000 people. It's really hard just to reach out to 9,000 people. And, and I, I miss bumping into them accidentally. Have you guys started doing, oh, go ahead, John. Yeah, I just want to kind of dovetail on what Jay mentioned there. I think the that spontaneous collaboration, spontaneous conversations. I think that's huge for for our sanity. I mean, so many of us are right now working from home. You know, I've kind of replaced or uh, transplanted my office here in, in my upstairs. I've got two little ones at home downstairs. My wife's downstairs. That's all well and good. I love being with them, but you know, you can only share so much with a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and then my wife only wants to hear so much. Uh, from me. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's a there's a level of sanity that's maintained by actually getting out and socializing at work, uh, for lack of a better term. And, uh, and I think that, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm just going to jump right in and answer your question here as well, Sean, for what we are doing at Veterans Path. Um, because we've, we've actually increased our overall interaction with people, uh, even though we're not physically interacting as, as much, because the stress levels are higher, and what we do is try to help bring stress down for veterans, that those stress levels are higher because people are constantly around their kids, they're constantly around their spouses, and they blurring those lines between work and home. Um, that that is very difficult for people. Um, so we are trying to actually interact more often with them. So we're having more virtual. Uh, phone calls and, and meetings uh, than, than we were before. So we actually have more touch points, if you will, even if they're not literal touch points like hugs, um, handshakes, and, hand, and high fives. We're obviously not doing that. But there's, uh, there's definitely uh, more touch points because I think it's much more important in this high stress and uncertain time that we are actually interacting more. Do you do you think, and this is uh, this is for you, and it, it really dovetails off of what Jay said about that uh, that interaction. So obviously, for you, for the this is for John, the platform that you have. I mean, it's obviously a good thing for you guys. 
uh, is there a time or place where, where that's not enough and you need to, to actually physically meet with, with somebody to make that happen or, or what do you think? Oh yeah, a absolutely. Uh, you know, there's, there's no replacement for the oxytocin and the dopamine that you get from physically hugging someone or, you know, even a handshake. You, I mean, there's, there's something that's missing when we're not doing that. Right. And, and how awkward is it right now in society, even when, when you meet somebody physically, yeah, you, you're, you're doing the social distancing, but you meet somebody and, and you're like, you want to go in for a handshake, but you don't uh, because, because, you know, we're all, we're all practicing that social distancing, but uh, that is critically important uh, to, to society uh, as a whole, but it's also critically important to us uh, at a, at a mental uh, personal level. And uh, it's, it's, that is definitely another piece that's adding to the level of stress and anxiety because we're not, we're not getting that. And yeah, down the road, I mean, this is not sustainable. This is not sustainable for long term. Uh, this, is, this is just uh, a way to flatten the curve with this pandemic. But we're eventually going to have to get back into being social with one another and being physically social with one another. And I was gonna, I was gonna add, ask you, Jay, and, and this actually this applies to everybody. This is just something that you said uh, in particular for your company. Have you guys actually tried any? Are you guys iterating and experimenting on how to achieve the closest you can to what John just said uh, in the physical space, but in the virtual space? Are you guys trying? Yeah, I mean, new things we're, beyond just Zoom. Well, uh, we're yeah. I mean. Uh, we're using Microsoft Teams as our primary uh, communication. And uh, I mean, we'll do silly things like we'll have uh, coffee breaks with our, our core teams where we just we'll just, you know, there's no agenda. It's just like touching base, like at three o'clock or something like that. We'll have a, a coffee break. And I mean, we'll try different things with the camera. Like, you know, we will do a virtual fist bump, right? So, you know, you can boom, you know, it emulates, you know, what you can't do anymore. And, and so, but I agree with John. Um, and I'm interested to see what Andrew thinks too, because so much of innovation is the energy that you get from the people around you and, and the room. And I miss feeling the vibe of the room. Right. I, mean, I, I think everybody's had that experience where you're at a stoplight and you feel somebody looking at you and you look over and sure enough, they're looking at you. Right. And there's just there's something that's missing from being in the same room with somebody. I mean, that you just don't get on screen. And so that's kind of as as an extrovert and kind of an empathic person. I miss feeling the energy of the people that I, that I used to work with to build off of their energy for creativity, spontaneity, you know, innovation that, that really, I miss that. That's, that's one of the other things I, from that sensory thing that I miss. I'm, I'm curious if, if Andrew has that same vibe going on. Yeah. Thanks Jay. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm a people person. And I think when you're trying to get buy-in uh, to do it two dimensionally or worse, just, just over the phone is really, really difficult. Um, it's, it's something I'm struggling with. I also want to go back to something John said about the, the blurred lines between work and, and family. I, this is just me speaking. Uh, I don't, I feel like there aren't lines, you know, sometimes I'm working uh, and I know I'm not alone, really crazy hours. Uh, I think John, John, don't look at when I signed that, uh, the release form, but I think it was at like 3 a.m. this morning just because, you know, I couldn't sleep and I have a lot of work to do because I got not complaining that they're a blessing. I have three kids, so I'm running a homeschool situation here, uh, which is definitely not going to pass the standardized test if they were to have them. But, you know, you're going from, uh, from a Zoom call. My six-year-old has Zoom calls scheduled for Monday. I still haven't figured that out yet. I don't have enough computers. Uh, and that's just on the personal side, you know, and uh, in terms of adapting to that uh, as a fairly large bureaucracy, I, I really have to give our leadership credit for um, having tools that, that enable that. I gave uh, a briefing uh, to the senior leadership team, which was just audio. Um, and that was terrible, especially to Jay, what you're talking about. I, I couldn't read the room. I'm pretty good at reading the room. Um, like right now, I'm realizing I need to get a haircut probably. But uh, but I couldn't read anything in that in that briefing. Uh, yeah, I just I was telling everybody I started socially distancing 
before everybody else. So it gets better. Um, I'll tell you that. Uh, but yeah, definitely. I don't think there are lines right now. And it's John, you're so right. It's not sustainable, but I think we just acknowledging that is also important. Like, uh, because you can be too hard on yourself. You can at the end of the day, you'll be up at the 3 a.m. saying, I'm a horrible teacher and principal. And I didn't connect anybody that I, you know, I wanted to connect uh, today. Uh, but then you just got to keep walking too, I think. And, and that's really important. John, what do you think? Yeah. If, if I could just, again, uh, further iterate on that, uh, Andy, those, those lines. Yeah, you're right. There are definitely times when there aren't lines. Like when I first heard that people were going to be working from home, I was like, Oh man, there's going to be a lot of, uh, bored people, a lot of ben binging on Netflix. And uh, yeah, sure. There is uh, some of that, but, but because those lines either are blurred or they don't exist, I find myself, uh, you know, answering emails late into the night and I've had to, uh, set boundaries. And this hat, I, I told my wife, I was like, this is my work hat. The T uh, is my work hat. And then I have a Navy hat that I, that I switched this out with at, during nighttime. So because I, because I am working at home, I might be sitting on the couch on my phone or cranking away on my iPad. And, and she'll be like, Hey babe, can you do this? Can you do that? And I'm happy to do it, but I'm also right in the middle of work. I'm right in the middle of, you know, generating an email or, or whatever. And those lines kind of the, the blurring of those lines goes both ways. So, you know, those who are normally home and they see you home, they're like, Oh, well, he's here to help out with the chores. He's here to help out with the kids. And I want to, but I'm also getting paid to do something else. Uh, so yes. And the, the same thing, Andy, I think I answered the, uh, the facilitator email uh, or, or uh, panelist email at like three o'clock this morning <laughs> because I woke up. I'm like, well, there's, there's work to be done. So Jay. So I'm, 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 I want to share. Uh, I, I had a unique situation that for 20 years I worked from this home office when I ran my own business because uh, I ran a, a, a virtual animation studio and sometimes we'd have people come up here and we'd work together, but essentially it was virtual for 20 years. So my wife and kids kind of know if I'm in my office and my door is closed, I'm working, right? Occasionally they come out. What I've discovered though, is I'm having a harder time enjoying Netflix. Like when I used to come home, I used to like watch Netflix and I was like, ah, oh, this is great. I can watch Netflix. And what I'm realizing now is I say, you know what? I'm not getting as much enjoyment from the show. I'm having a hard time binge watching actually. I'll watch like one show and then I'll go, you know, I got stuff to do, you know, and I'll, and I'll switch back over to work. So I've been actually putting in like double the amount of hours that I've normally put in because I want to, I guess it's a sense of control that in an out of control world, you want to kind of do what you think you can do to move things forward, right? When everything else is in kind of chaos, you say, well, I want to spend some time doing the thing that I think is going to at least make the world a little better for my company. So that's, I don't know if you guys have experienced the same thing. Well, I, I wanted to, to say on, on that note, and, and here's, here's an example, at least from what I'm hearing from you guys that's happening in my personal life is last night, my wife and I sat down to watch a, a Star Wars movie, right? Uh, Jay knows this because we yeah. were, we were back, back, and back and forth on, yeah. uh, on LinkedIn messaging each other back and forth. And it was close to nine o'clock, I think. Uh, and I mean, up until that point, I was still doing emails. I was still answering a bunch of stuff. And it's like, okay, just look at him. Jay's, a, Jay's an awesome dude, right? So you get a message from somebody that you like, you enjoy, you want to respond to, you don't want to leave them hanging. And then you're like, okay, hang on, it's just one more. And then it's just one more. And that turns into, finally, I actually replied to him uh, and I said, hey, I'm turning my phone off. I'm watching Star Wars, like, peace. And then I think I still messaged him like five or six more times after that. Um, so, you know, those boundaries are, are huge. And I think the only way for me to handle them, and I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do right now, to be honest with you. And this is more of maybe a question to the three of you. I've, I've just started putting my phone in another room. I don't know if you guys come out and you're, you bluntly say to somebody, hey, my office hours, I'm done. Uh, or if you're, you're more blunt about it, um, if you guys want to talk to that, that'd be great. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, John, as a matter of fact, uh, I, I find 
that I'm very guilty quite often of, of getting um, kind of addicted to responding quickly to a text or a direct message on LinkedIn or whatever social media is out there um, because I, I almost pride myself on, on, on that little bit of lag time that there's a minimum amount of lag time there. Um, but then I realized that the interaction where it's important with my family right, right next to me is, is lacking. So I'm, I'm more socially connected because I'm on my phone with people who aren't even with me and I'm less socially connected with my family. Who's more important to me. I mean, I love you guys, but <laughs> I love my family. Right. Um, but, uh, what I, what I ended up having to tell my work was, Hey, weekends, those are as, as much as possible. Those are like sacred. So uh, like 5 PM on Friday until early in the morning on Monday, you're not going to hear from me unless it's an emergency, which right now the nonprofit that I'm working with, there's not that many emergencies. Um, and then they are, they're, they're based on the West coast. So there's three hours difference. So, you know, at two o'clock in the afternoon, they're, they're like, yeah, we can do a, v, a VTC. I'm like, no, uh, we can't uh, because I'm going to be at home five o'clock, you know, I, I'm, or at least I'm heading home. Well, right now I am home, but you know what I mean? It's, you have to, you have to be very uh, distinct about drawing those boundaries. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'll say this. Um, my wife happened, unfortunately happened to be born on April fool's day. And when we got together, so April 1st, uh, uh, when we got together, I'll never forget this conversation. She goes, you better not do anything. I'm serious, right, on April Fool's Day, because she just didn't want that. But here we are stuck in the house, and uh, I was so pulled up into the kind of wave of what the heck do I do during this coronavirus thing, because it kind of happened the end of March that week that I didn't even order anything from Amazon or anything for her birthday. You know, I just, I was like, oh, it's here. And I'm looking at Amazon and they're saying the first time you can get anything here, like the 7th, 8th of April or something. And so I just reached out and luckily I have great bosses. And I said, hey guys, is it okay if I just do half a day today so that I can spend and make my wife's birthday as awesome as possible. And I left my phone in the room and we played cards as a family because my kids are 13 and 15. And I, that's what I did, right? I just, I just spent time with the family. So I think to you guys, it, it, John and John and Andrew, probably it's about spending, making a mindful effort to have quality time with your family is just as important as getting all your work done. My two cents. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a great point, and we're gonna we're gonna circle back to kind of the wellness piece here in a second. Um, Jay, you had mentioned something early on that I think uh, a lot of the listeners will get value out of, and that's you know you come from a design organization, and on your roadmap was to figure out how to facilitate virtually, um, yeah. you know, facilitate legitimate workshops virtually. Uh, I think everybody out there is, is scrambling and they're trying different things, and I think it's really important to know that. Um, and maybe you could talk to this a bit more, but you know, at the end of the day, there is no perfect science to it, right? I mean, yeah. you know, a design organization that, that essentially uh, masters this stuff still hasn't mastered it. So, um, you know, for the, the companies and for the individuals that are out there scrambling, trying to engage, you know, any, uh, any kind of words of wisdom or advice from, from what you guys have seen, given your background? Sure. Um, so, you know, that, that whole phraseology about fail fast, Right. Yeah. And, and in enterprise companies, that's hard to do because nobody wants failure. Right. And, and so I, I do what I call jazz. And in the real world, what I used to do is if I spend all this time organizing a workshop and then you get in the workshop and you quickly figure out after five minutes that the participants want something else than you planned. I can I can pivot really quickly in the real world. You know what I mean? I can say, okay, well, we got a whiteboard here. Let's just do this exercise then, and we can we can do this. In virtual, that's harder to do because there's a lot more planning that you have to do to really pull off an exercise. So to that point, you have to think outside 
of the workshop you're in. You have to say, if I have to pivot to another mural board that I hadn't planned on, that mural board has to be ready. So I could go grab those assets and resources right away. And that gives me more flexibility in the long run. So, so you have to, I think there's a lot of upfront work that's gonna need to be done to successfully be prepared for a lot of spontaneity or agile kind of workshop, uh, you know, running of workshops. Um, I also am teaching two college courses this semester, Storyboard and History of Animation. And I'm so uh, grateful to have a really wacky, engaged, energized group of like 18 to 22 year olds. And it would be really easy for me to just mute everyone, right? Like just mute everyone and say, okay, I'm gonna do my lecture, just shut up and sit there and let me get through the lecture. Instead of doing that, what I did was I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not mute anybody and I'm just gonna let them talk. And one of the things that I recognized you miss virtually is table talk. Like if you're in a, if you're in a real world experience, people are talking to each other across the table, hey, what'd you do, that type of, and it energizes the group, right? So you can do longer sessions because the conversation isn't all about work. And where I think people start to fade is where it's just work. You know, you're just really having them think all the time and they don't have that kind of break, that mental break to talk about stuff that's going on or what they did. So one of the things I'm experimenting with my classes is what happens if I let them go off the rails a little bit? And then how do I bring them back in? How do I get these 20 cats that have, are running all over the room back on task? And that's the same skills that I honed for years and years in the real world. And I'm opening it up to learn how to relearn how to do that virtually. And it's really getting great because my first class was about an hour and a half. And then my second class was about two hours. And so, and everybody really liked the pace. And I'm also asking my participants, I'm being very transparent. I'm asking my participants to give me feedback and work with me on how well things are going online. And, and, they're, and I'll say, does this feel right? How, you know, do you, wanna, do you wanna go and do this exercise or, or are we done for the night? And I give my students the ability to give me feedback now, there have been times when I've threatened to mute people if they just kind of won't, you know, I'll go, I can mute you. I can mute you, right? And so, and so you just have fun. And I think they are looking forward to my classes. The other, and I'll be real quick, and I know I'm monopolizing time. I know a lot of people. I can mute you, you know. You can mute me, yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, Mark Simon, who's a buddy of mine, who's a storyboard artist for Walking Dead, is in Atlanta. And I used to ask guest speakers to come to my physical classroom. But now that I have Zoom, I'm going, hey, dude, would you mind coming into my class as a guest speaker? So tonight he is going to show up and it's going to make my students day because they get to talk to the storyboard artist on Walking Dead. Right. And so that's, that's awesome. just something cool that I'm, I'm trying to make the most of the situation I'm giving and thinking outside of the box and say, how can I make the best experience possible for my students, not just get through my agenda, not just get through the, the work. And I think that's a mindset shift that you have to really true empathy is part of design thinking. How are my students feeling? They're scared, they're frightened, they're boxed up, they have cabin fever. I need to think about them, not what I want to do. So I'll throw it over to you guys. Yeah. No, that's a that's a great point, and I appreciate you clarifying and, and talking through that because, uh, you know, with all the uncertainty, I think everyone's worried about getting stuff right, and there is no right. It's just right. constantly iterating. It's trying new things, seeing what works, what doesn't work, um, and not being you know too locked into one mindset. So um, along with that, and, and we'll shift. The, I'll kick this over to Andy. So. Um, from an organization standpoint, what do you think the biggest obstacle is, is that's standing in your way right now? I know previous to jumping on this, you had just taken over um, kind of a new area. Uh, maybe you can talk through that or whatever you see is that big obstacle that's standing in front of you that you're still trying to figure, uh, figure a way through. Yeah, thanks, Sean. 
I think the biggest obstacle right now is is, is the uncertainty that, that we've been talking about and not knowing and and then being okay with not knowing what uh, what's happening next and and what is the what is the next normal not just the new normal but the normal after the the new new normal what that looks like and I and I think um, I think communication is something I've seen that's really key to that not only from a, a mindfulness or a, you know a health you know perspective as, as a leader but um, filling in some of the gaps you know with the uncertainty and and. Jay, before I forget, I, the, the table talk, the table talk thing, uh, is is really fascinating to me, and I've I've seen just this past week that kind of organically happening at the beginning of meetings, and and I, I didn't, it wasn't planned, you know, but I find people joining meetings earlier and taking advantage of maybe the five five minutes, ten minutes that they have before the meeting to talk about anything but work, but just that opportunity to, you know, maybe meet at the the proverbial water cooler. Um, and and so maybe pay attention to that and, and see if that's happening in anyone else's organization. Uh, I think it's something that can be used, uh, you know, to everyone's benefit. But um, you know, and, and knowing when to move is another thing that I'm I'm hearing a lot of talk about. Uh, not only you know at work, but you know, outside of work and some other organizations I'm I'm a part of. Like, what's the timing on this? It's so critical. I know in innovation, as a novice, how important timing is, um, but you know, with the uncertainty, when is the right time? I, mean, I don't have an answer for that, uh, but I think we need to be looking, looking for it. Yeah, that's a great point. And, um, you know, I think the, the term mindfulness has come up quite a bit on this. And um, I know that's uh, near and dear to John's heart. So we'll, we'll shift there in a second. But before that, um, Emily, I think you wanted to jump in with a couple questions. Yeah, I think this could lead us down that train as well. I've seen some questions coming in from our good uh, mutual friend of a bunch of ours, uh, John Wayne Mullins. Shout out to John Mullins. Uh, and he asked a question, and, and John Mullins, forgive me, I'm going to kind of take your question and bounce off that a little bit because I think it would work well for everyone in the group. Um, and he was basically asking, you know, how are you encouraging people to be aware of their attitudes, to really be self-aware while monitoring their stress levels? And I would even take it a step further to say, you know, how are you guys either practicing yourself or encouraging your clients, customers, team uh, to practice self-awareness? And then what practical ways are you offering or, or practicing to deal with the stress? You know, because I think even something I've noticed on a personal level is needing to be proactive for myself to find ways to get the stress out of my body. You know, everybody's stressed. So and I think that will lead down kind of where Sean was going to go as well. So I'd love to hear from all of you guys. I'll, I'll try to be really short. Um, as a facilitator, when I do my training, when I'm training other people to be facilitators, I say when you're in front of a room, I call it being on stage, right? You're, you're kind of on stage. And like actors that do Broadway or anything else, you know they have nights where they don't want to be on stage. They would rather be anywhere but in front of an audience. And I think as a professional, you have to understand that if your role is to be a facilitator or do workshops, whether it's online or in person, you have to be the energy for that workshop. Because if you're not on point, if you don't come with the right attitude, the right mindset, the right you know kind of energy, uh, the, the participants, whether virtually or in person, are going to feel it, right? So that's, that's kind of, you do, that's manning up or womaning up, right, to be politically correct and, and just kind of say, you know, you got to do what you got to do. I also think on that same token that you do need to have good friends or close people that you can vent to and you can kind of say, holy crap, <laughs> you know, whatever you need to say to, to get the stress out. So that's my two cents really quick. Yeah, I'd like to jump in on that too. Is uh, I mean, we all know that we are under increased levels of stress uh, from work creeping into our life at home and home creeping into our life at work. Uh, again, we're coming back to kind of full circle to those lines being blurred or non-existent. And because we know that, we have to be very intentional about the practices that have relieved stress in the past. Uh, for me and what I teach, that's meditation and mindfulness. So, 
you know, where I have practiced twice a day in the past for 15 minutes, I'm, I'm stepping that up because I, I personally need it uh, to deal with increased levels of stress. It's, it's kind of like there's, there's a correlation between the amount that you should be meditating based on how much stress you're, you're taking on in your life. Um, the, the same thing for relationships. Um, uh, and, I, and I know that I've seen this in the news that my, my sister's a licensed clinical social worker and there have been increases in domestic violence because people are around one another in high stress situations more often. Um, and then, and then, you know, flip that coin, you've got the first responders who are going to have to go to those domestic abuse, uh, calls. So they're on high alert. Um, so there's, there's a lot that comes into play. Um, as far as relationships, um, <laughs> what I'm trying to do is actually, have my wife meditate with me. I mean, we've said prayer together in the past, which is very helpful, but that, that can also be, um, that can fall by the wayside if you're not very intentional about it. And I, and I don't want to bring too much religion into a secular conversation, but meditation together, whether you're doing a, you know, simultaneously guided meditation that can be helpful or, you're sitting on separate sides of the room and you've got your headphones in, but you're meditating together. It helps to bring the stress level down. And one, one reason my wife and I are starting to do this is in the morning is really our only time that we get together where we're not exhausted. Like if we get together at the end of the day, when the kids are down by that point, we're freaking smoked and we're, we've been stressed all day. And now the last thing we want to do is sit and actually have any type of, like meaningful conversation where we're like, we're like vegetables. And that's when we want to binge Netflix and kind of just decompress. And then we pass out. And then, and then, I mean, it's like, we're not even, even though we're together physically more, we're more disconnected if we're not making a very active intentional effort to be connected. Um, so, you know, I think meditating more, communicating more, even though we're together more, you have to communicate more. And then the and then the typical stuff that comes into play as far as being healthy and, and managing your stress, you know, trying to sleep when you can, you, the, the number of hours that you should, eating better, which is ironic. I'm actually eating better a lot more now because I'm not eating out, so I'm not as tempted to eat desserts and stuff. So you know, I'm eating more, getting out and exercising, getting some vitamin D. I mean, lately I don't know about Andy and Jay, but here in Virginia Beach, it's been beautiful outdoors. So if you can get outdoors and take your phone with you. I mean, yeah, you're going to be connected to something, but you can do work while you're outdoors. Um, so those are uh, some tips that, that I've seen uh, work for me personally. And I, and I believe that they would work for others. Andy, what, what are you thinking on this, on any of this? Do you have any thoughts? I love everything John just said. I think, uh, I think the relationship part is, is really important, not only personally, but, professionally, if you don't, if you don't have a relationship with the people that you work with or that you're leading or that you're not going to know, you know, if they need help and what their signs are, if, if they're, if they're under stress. And, and obviously uh, that same thing applies tenfold at home to being able to help, uh, help your loved ones out. And I think that, uh, that also the deliberateness of it is, is super important and, and can't be, uh, overstated it, it has to not be an afterthought or an accident or hope that you de-stress and uh and stress we know is, is tied to our immune system so now more than ever it's so important not only this and i'm not a doctor full disclosure i'm speaking only for myself but uh you know if you're stressed your immune system's not working that's not good right now and uh you know so being disciplined and deliberate about it uh, i think is important i love the idea of the walking too doing a lot of that you can uh, no one wants to see my face like most cases on a, a Zoom call anyway. So you can talk and walk. You get an exercise. You get the vitamin D. Stay the hell away from people, obviously. Um, but yeah, and the weather up here. I'm in Northern Virginia. It's been great. I've never seen so many people out, uh, out and about. That's awesome. I I wanted to to go off the uh, the tail end um, what you were talking about, but what John said. Um, and this is for for those of you that know me that are uh, either panelists or as attendees, uh, you know, being out of the military for only a month, if my daughter came up to me in the middle of the day and said, hey, do you want to go on a picnic? My response was almost always, if not always, no. Because 
you know, like I'm sitting there looking at my phone the whole time. Am I going to get a call getting help for any kind of workshops or anything like that? And uh, I had a I had a really busy day yesterday. I was really stressed yesterday, big time. Um, and she came up with a card that had, I probably uh, had to have spent three or $4 on the amount of stickers that she put on that thing um, without knowing it. And on the back, my wife wrote, do you want to come join us for a picnic? And then it was signed my daughter's name. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. screw it. I'm going, I'm going to put everything down and, and go. And I mean, I obviously haven't found the balance there even close, but uh, I'm in the very, very beginning stages of figuring out that that is huge. You know, I mean, it's it's like what John said about keeping Saturday and Sunday sacred. It's like, okay, picnics. Maybe uh, maybe I'm gonna just bake that into my day. Is go on, you know, these these little picnic things. So, you know. If you guys have any more of those tips or tricks or, or things like that, uh, or people that are, and, and I, I see some hands raising, but before you guys go, I, I want to say, if you are listening and you have your own, like, don't wait for Jay or John or Andrew or Emily or Sean to, uh, to say something, go ahead and put your thing in the chat. We'll put that in the roundup so that other people can see what you guys have. Cause maybe it's a little bit different. It's a, a little bit of a different spin. So please continue to do that. Whoever had your hand up first, hey, go. Hey, John, yeah, go ahead. John. I'll go after yeah, you. Yeah, uh, I mean, just the, uh, the, the, you know, baking, <laughs> baking the picnic into the day, uh, pun intended there. Uh, I, I think you have to do some type of time boxing. Otherwise, you end up working 12, 13 hours a day because you're working from home and, you're, and you don't feel guilty because you're like, hey, I'm at home. But, um, you know, sitting down and actually writing down, I'm reading a book, Indistractable, right now. Emily, put that in the comments. <laughs> in this indistractable, but it talks about you know actually time boxing things, time boxing um, your picnic with your daughter, time boxing time with your spouse, like valuable actual time that's going to be worth a darn, not just uh, after you, you've already depleted the tanks, but time boxing that that into your day so that you don't end up spending twenty hours working and then giving the minimal to your family and those you care about most. I think that's hugely important. So I, yeah, time box that picnic, brother. I, I, I'll jump in. I'll tell a story. It was, uh, my son was maybe four or five years old and I'm not a sports guy. I'm much more of a movie guy. And he was into baseball at the time. And so he came up to me and I was working from home. It's my home office. And he comes in and he goes with the baseball bat and the baseball and he goes, hey, dad, do you want to go outside and throw the ball around and, and, and the baseball? And I was really slammed. And then even before I said anything, he goes, that's OK. I can tell you're really busy and starts turn around to walk out. And I and, you know, what played in my mind was cat's cradle. right? <laughs> you know, and I'm sitting there going, oh, dude. So I said, you know what? Nothing is more important than me going out right now for an hour and doing that. I, I agree with John on the time boxing. And I will say this for, for Uber perfectionist, you know, workaholics, you know, maybe John Howley knows what I'm talking about. Um, you have to be careful about getting a tool or a method. And this is even true, Andrew, for and Andy, for innovation. If you buy into one method too much, it's like that hammer and a nail that everything looks like everything looks like a nail. So don't, you know, don't use these tools, but be flexible, be open, be spontaneous, because otherwise you're just substituting one bad habit for another, right? Where no, I'm time boxed and you can't talk to me now. We talked about this, you know, this is my time. And I've, I've had relationships that because people time boxed, they got angry at me because every time I went up to them to have a spontaneous conversation, they were like, Jay, I'm busy. And so I said, well, you're always busy. So I just will not, I'll just stop asking. Right. So, so do be mindful that you still have to allow for flexibility and agility and whatever methodology you come up with. Yeah, no, great point. Great point, Jay. Can I throw something in really quickly, just because it's been swirling through my mind as you guys have been talking. Sean and I had a chat one time, which is why I appreciate having him as my boss. 
he said something along the lines of like getting to the end of the day and thinking about, did he have quality time with his kids or not? And using that to determine whether or not the day was really productive. And I've thought about that a lot, you know, in my own days, like, what do I use to determine the value of my productivity? Is it just checking things off at work or is it about relationships? And I think if we can figure out how we're valuing things and then rate our productivity off of our values, I think that that will, for me, that helps bring a lot of balance. And I really appreciate being in a team that values those kinds of things in that way, because then I feel like I have the space to structure my day in a way that, you know, values my work and also values my relationships appropriately. Yeah. Uh, sorry, real quick. I got to give a shout out actually to my bosses, John and I were, that was part of my exchange. Uh, my boss, uh, Bruce Nelson and Brian Sullivan, uh, really give me a lot of flexibility in my job. And that helps me be engaged and actually work harder. So one of the other conversations that I think has been coming up in the media about remote working is trust, right? Is, is trust that your employees are getting stuff done and that if they need to not be around at one o'clock, there's probably a good reason why. And that you just have to trust that they will still deliver what you need delivered when you need it, right? And not be that micromanager. I, I tried to get you, you know, John, how dare you leave your phone in the, in the room? You know, and I think that's that, that, that fear kind of thing that you're going to miss something. So I, I think trust is a huge issue that as a nation, we are going to learn more about each other uh, in these next month or so. Another kind of two cents. Could you could you maybe speak on that, uh, Andrew, uh, with with the people not necessarily above you, but for the people that you have cognizance over? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't disagree at all. I think that, you know, for one thing, you can easily get in a rut or over rely on, on a tool. Um, but I think trust what I'm kind of hearing. And as I think, you know, more about this we have the right communication. And if we're reflective, uh, like Emily was saying uh, on our day, and we iterate like we should be doing using using some of these uh, concepts, and we're given the trust and we give it to others, right? You have to give it to get it in a lot of, a lot of cases. Uh, I think we can, can end up out of this experience as, as horrific as it is for a lot of people uh, in a place that might even be better. You know, I'm, dare I say that right now? I mean, we're really early. And I, I prefer to be optimistic and I prefer to say like, okay, well, maybe the things that we weren't valuing, we value now more, right? I mean, we don't waste a lot of food in my house. I'll tell you that right now. And, uh, and you know, that wouldn't be a terrible thing among, among others. Um, I, I, I agree also my, uh, my bosses and, and my colleagues, uh, they're doing a lot of trusting, which isn't easy. It's, it's, it's a courageous thing, I think, uh, to do what Jay's talking about to say, Hey, uh, I recognize what's going on. I trust you to, to get it done. I'm not going to micromanage you. Um, days are different. Lines are blurred like we've been talking about. So uh, it, it's, it's necessary, and it takes that first, first act. And, uh, and as someone who's received it, you know, in the past couple of weeks with all this that's going on, uh, I think it's really, it's really helped me uh, to do better. And, and I've been way more productive, uh, I think, with that flexibility as I try and uh, find the right the right mix so that when I sit down at the end of the day and I one thing I've been doing is uh, dusted off this journal I bought you know uh, on Prime Day believe it or not and uh, and it has this thing that forces you to you know set your priorities uh, and and then reflect at the end of the day personally really helpful um, I may look like that's something I would I would tend to do I'm not that kind of person most most of the time uh, but having been doing it for about a week and a half now. There we go. I like that journal. I should have got that one. Um, but yeah, I think it's your been, beard on it's the been, list. <laughs> yeah, shave beard. <laughs> Hang on, let me get it. I'll add that shave beard. Get haircut. Uh, I'll trust you on that that judgment there. Hey, hey guys, I want to jump in there real quick. So, um, thank you all for for bringing up that point. I think one of the biggest challenges that organizations are facing is. Uh, is how do you gauge productivity, right? So before, and, and we've seen this over the last 10, 15 plus years, where companies think about going remote, some have gone remote, some come back from it and kind of bring everyone back to the mothership. 
Um, you've got, you know, some companies that are stood up 100% and they thrive. And it's, it's really this balance of, well, is a person suited for remote work? Because sometimes some sides would argue they are, they aren't. Um, well, I think we kind of all got thrust into this. And uh, I think the, the biggest struggle, at least that we've been seeing is how do you gauge productivity? And in the past, it's you showed up from this time to this time. And because you're sitting at your desk or you're engaged, I think you're being productive. And um, having seen many environments like that, you know, we all know that that's not the case. Um, yet when we're at home, it's, it's this balance of I need to almost, uh, you know, we put on this face of I need to almost be more available because they can't see that. And I think that's what creates that stress. Um, and that's really what leads to, to the trust um, and then ultimately the engagement. And going off of that, uh, somebody in the audience had, had mentioned a lot of people are getting stressed because all of a sudden they went from, you know, that environment to this. And now it's micromanagement, uh, you know, times 10 um, to the point where, you know, they're potentially feeling harassed. So anyone have any thoughts on um, the best way to have a conversation with, with your manager, with the person above you to say, trust that I'm going to get this work done. Um, you know, any thoughts around that? I always have thoughts. That's one thing you guys have probably picked up already. But um, uh, again, I'm really lucky that I have bosses that give me a lot of flexibility. Um, and I think it's about results, Sean. I think if, if you can have a common agreement and alignment about the results that you want to try to get done by a certain time frame and what those results need to be and why they're important and what's the purpose around those results, then it becomes less about getting, being busy and more about delivering the results for the overarching objectives that you're trying to achieve as a team or as an organization. So I think that's, that's one thing. I, yeah. Andrew, I'll pass it to you. Oh, I think we lost your audio. Yeah, we lost your audio, Andrew. Oh, I thought I almost made it. I'm so close to doing it all the way through without screwing that up. Uh, uh, don't look at my LinkedIn profile either. Um, I, I, uh, it's non-existent. As a spoiler alert. I, I think that talk is cheap in this uh, regard. Uh, it's got to be, you know, if someone's micromanaging you or they're they're feeling insecure, which is usually what that is uh, in this new. Uh, normal that we're going through. Uh, you just have to show them, I think. Um, <laughs> thanks, John. Uh, you just have to show them uh, that uh, that you can deliver. And uh, the other thing is, having made this mistake, like leave the ego aside. You know, it's easy when someone's micromanaging you to get all, you know, upset, so to speak, uh, and offended and whatnot. But I think you just got to set the example there too. Go that way, leave the ego aside and show them you can do it. And then. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I appreciate you guys jumping in there. We're, we're getting right up to the end. So um, we, we typically end this with a lightning round. We ask one question um, to each participant. And that is, uh, what is the one thing you want our listeners to walk away with today? Right before we jump into that, uh, you know, this talk around um, trust and balance and mental resiliency um, so we've put together a uh, free virtual workshop. Uh, the first one's going to be this Friday. Emily's going to drop the, the link in there. It's called Think Inside the Box. And basically the idea behind it is you're going to be able to join a bunch of random strangers um, in a very safe kind of uh, confined environment and simply identify all the things that you can control. So there's a lot of things we can't control, but there are things we can control and sometimes we get overwhelmed. So we're really looking in on what can we control and then taking those ideas and just implementing them, focusing on those versus all the other noise that you can't have control over. So with that said, the, the link's dropped in there. Um, we appreciate everyone uh, attending. Um, we will also throw out a uh, post-survey link or post-webinar link, always looking for feedback to make this better. Um, so with that said, let's jump into the lightning round. Um, so, Andrew, we'll start with you. What's the one thing that you want our listeners to walk away with? We just got to constrain it to uh, 60 seconds. Go for it. 60 seconds. Okay. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun, as the saying goes. I think that this is the perfect time to read, whether you're leading uh, or you're informally leading. If you're trying to get answers, uh, pick up a book, I think, uh, and better yourself. It's way better than spending uh, 
an hour watching Aussie man reviews on YouTube or whatever I was doing last <laughs> night, read a book, get rid of the light uh, before you go to bed and, and learn something better yourself. And thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Can you, uh, awesome. can you put uh, your favorite book or something in the chat before we, uh, before we close out? Ooh, that's a tough one. I'll put a book in there that I'm reading yeah. right now. Over to okay. you, uh, John. Yeah. Um, uh, Andy kind of hit on this before in that um, when in our lifetimes have, have we, or, or quite frankly, anybody's lifetime, have we as a human species come together like this to fight a, a common enemy? Um, and I, I, I don't think we have. Uh, I mean, even even the plagues of the past, the whole world didn't come together to to go against those plagues. And as awful as this pandemic is, um, it, it is forcing us to be more physically distant than we are used to. But it's also simultaneously bringing us together as a as a human species, as as um, communities, as cities. I mean. You know, the motor companies are starting to make ventilators. People who are normally making alcohol or distilling uh, hand sanitizer, we're, we are mobilizing like we did in, in the world wars to fight a new enemy. And that, that's this COVID-19. Um, and that's bringing us together in a way that we've never been together before. And um, we will never be as a society how we were two or three months ago. We will be forever changed from this. And uh, I think we are going to be better and we are going to be stronger because of all this. Um, sure, we're going to be, there's going to be a lot of loss. Uh, there's going to be a lot of anxiety, stress. Uh, there's going to be economic loss. There's going to be health loss. Um, but ultimately, uh, in the long run, when you look at society, we are going to be better and stronger because of all this. So stay strong, stay healthy, stay human. Thanks, John. And uh, Jay, rounding it out with you. So I, I'm one of those uh, guys that puts up quotes. You can, you can see I'm all about readers. Uh, I, I have a saying, I say leaders are readers. So, you know, if you want to be a leader, then you got to read. But one of the quotes I actually was looking at this morning while I was thinking about this was, it's finding the hidden advantage in unfortunate circumstances and using pain to take you to the next level. It's, it's basically saying that, you know, how can I make the most use of this time that I have to make myself better on the other side of this, regardless of the things that I do not have control over? And that, I think, helps people have a sense of purpose and mission. And when you have a sense of purpose and mission, it's a reason to get up every day and be more productive and be more energetic and be better to the people around you, whether that's your family or coworkers. So I think just getting a renewed sense of purpose is probably one of the best things that you can do in this situation to say, how am I gonna control the things that I have control over, whether it's education or physical fitness or building stronger relationships with my family. Those are things that I have control over and I can work on in this time. Yeah, perfect, uh, perfect way to sum it up. Panelists, we appreciate all your input, all your insight. Uh, we know this is a constantly changing, rapidly uh, evolving environment. Um, so we appreciate it. Uh, I promised say, my boss that I would do this. So <laughs> nice. He, he said, the future is so bright, you got to wear shades. Right? Uh, I like it. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll do that for the next one. <laughs> well, again, thanks. Thank you, everyone. Attendees, thanks for attending. Uh, do check out the uh, Think Inside the Box. We're going to be doing that Friday at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, so, again, the link's in the chat. If you're uh, interested in that, it'll be a really cool time. And uh, thanks again. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adapt and Overcome podcast from Alt-RPO. We hope you enjoyed what you heard today. If you did, don't forget to leave us a five-star review and a comment with your favorite takeaway from the conversation. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. If you're looking for more resources, you can visit our website, altrpo.com. That's A-L-T-R-P-O.com. 
We have information on virtual team facilitation, virtual team building workshops, as well as our webinar page at altarpo.com webinar, where you can register to be a participant or even apply to be a panelist on one of our future webinars. Don't forget, you can share any of our information with any of your friends or colleagues that you feel would really benefit. We are really hoping to add value to our community during this time of global crisis. We hope you're staying safe and healthy, and we look forward to seeing you soon.